Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. This week I'm joined by Instagram's Wharf 104 owner Chris Searle. We're talking about a huge signing of reggae boy Alex Marshall. We're also talking about the parquet that's proposed for downtown that may impact the Wanderers ground and also about Ottawa joining the CPL. This week we lost a true sporting icon in Kobe Bryant, so Steve Steele gives us a reaction and also tells us his favourite Kobe moments. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Down the Pub podcast. I'm joined by uh, Chris Searle. Uh, Chris runs the Wharf 104 Instagram account. Um, so Chris has his finger on the pulse. So his account is a great resource for breaking news in not just football, but any sport in general. Uh, thanks for joining us this week, Chris. Cheers, brother. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for having me, my man. No worries, buddy. Uh, great to have you back on. So we were going to talk a bit about Manchester United, but uh, <laughs> a, a lot's going to happen today in the world of the CPL. So, Goodness, yes. Yeah. So, so I think we could maybe just talk about that instead and just put the United stuff, just talk a little bit about it towards the end. So um, <clears throat> before we kind of jump into that, um, I do know you're a big basketball fan. So yeah. obviously, obviously we had very sad news this week with the loss of Kobe and his daughter and the rest of the, those poor people in the helicopter. I just want, kind of want to get your thoughts on the tragic news. Yeah, man, uh, coaching girls basketball the last couple of years, um, it gave me kind of a different perspective on who these guys were. Um, Kobe was an idol to my generation, to the generation before me, even to the generation after me. Um, but coaching girls basketball, you feel really, really empty at the lost potential of his daughter, Gianna. Um, when we did a introduction last year before the season started, you typically ask the players, you know, who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite player? Um, you find out normally by what shoes they're wearing. Um, but when we went around the circle, you got the, the typical names, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Um, but this one girl, Carmen, um, I'll never forget it. And it was really poignant the last couple of days since, uh, since the news of this terrible tragedy, she said that her favorite player was Gigi. And wow. Yeah. And I knew who Gigi was. Um, and the guy that I coached with also kind of clicked in. Um, Kobe's daughter, we both kind of asked at the same time. And she said, yeah. And, you know, we spent the next 10, 15 minutes actually, you know, popping up little videos on YouTube or little articles on, on Yahoo or wherever we, we could find articles on her at the time. And, um, it was really, really cool seeing the eyes of some of these girls open like, Oh, wow. That's Kobe's daughter not Kobe's son, because you're so used to hearing about the sons of these athletes and, and the, the up and coming, the next generation of NBA stars. But that was the part that really hit me hard as much of a fan of Kobe as I was. And like I mentioned to you um, over the last couple of days, a lot of my friends were obsessed with Kobe, but it was, it was a terrible, terrible loss for me personally, just because I knew that his daughter was already making an impact 
um, the potential we lost with her is is staggering. And you could see, um, <clears throat> like I've seen some videos myself there on like, like Kobe being at her games and you can see how proud he was of her and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it really is awful. And yeah. he's obviously like a big football fan. Huge. Had a big tribute for him uh, last night, I believe, and some of the other teams have done stuff uh, about it too. So, you know, he has left a, a big legacy behind him, though. So, um, yeah. yeah the, the, the way you actually put the, how the the world of soccer and the world of tennis, I mean, the Australian Open's happening right now, and, and just about every athlete has, has had some sort of connection with Kobe, be it from afar or personally. And it comes down to that Mamba mentality. You've heard it probably a dozen times over the last couple of days. It's, it's something that transcends sport. Um, it gets into the entertainment business and, and like a buddy of mine said, um, Kobe's worth at work ethic, pardon me, was something that he used to take to, to work every day. So when he went to work on Tuesday, yesterday, he said he felt a little empty because those were kind of the lessons and the inspirations that Kobe gave everybody beyond basketball. So like you said, the Italian, the, the country of Italy, sorry, like they, they recognize it as, as I think three days of national mourning or something like that. That just goes to show you, like he, he reached as far and wide, like his, his, uh, his impact in China was massive too. I know we're trying to talk about just the football impact that he had as well, but just to see how he touched the Ronaldo's, the Messi's, Neymar, it, it, it would go the other way around. He used to always acknowledge the sport of soccer as being his first real competitive, I guess the, the best word to use was theater. Um, growing up in Italy, the only basketball he saw was probably through his father. Soccer was probably the first sport that drove that Mamba mentality. Yeah, he very sad, man. Yeah, he'll deep, he'll be deeply missed. So <clears throat> just uh, moving on to um, the couple of different pieces of news today. It's, as, <laughs> as I said, it's been a kind of a crazy day. So crazy I, thought day. Start, I thought I'd start with some really good news. So <clears throat> the Wanderers announced uh, Jamaican international Alex Marshall as a new signing today. So yeah. you're a man with your your finger on the pulse. So what do you know about him, man? What do you bring to the team? Well, a couple of weeks ago, on or a couple of weeks actually, it's probably a good solid month and change ago now. Somebody on Reddit broke the news that it had something to do with an agency, talent agency that did a draft. I know you say I have my finger on the pulse, but even with this signing, there's there's little bits and pieces that are kind of a mystery, but. Um, we heard about him a couple of years ago originally. My brother actually pointed him out. There were a couple of videos on YouTube with this little Jamaican kid. He tried out for, uh, I want to say either the New England Rebs or the Philadelphia Union. I, I don't have the info in front of me, but I think it was, uh, I think it was the Union. Yeah. And, and there was a, there was a bit of a buzz already about this little Jamaican kid. And, and I, you know, the football manager, we come from that generation of the video games. Um, <laughs> we, we would look up his stats and, you know, the pace was there determination was there work rate was there so we were like, okay this guy's all right this guy's cool didn't really hear much about it until december and somebody on reddit had posted that the rumor had leaked i think it was a news release down in jamaica it was full of inaccuracies but the funny thing is is that they ended up being accurate talking about how the league would have eight teams and, and you know, that, that's a whole totally different discussion for today but um, Maybe I need to start talking to some people down in Jamaica. No, I need to know a lot. <laughs> the, the kicker is, is that some of the articles in in uh, in Europe as well that that had inaccuracies that we were making fun of over the last couple of weeks and months. It, it was almost like they had the inside information. Uh, it, it, everything has kind of fallen into place, strangely enough, with with some of these signings and and you know, like I said, the the Ottawa situation. But 
In terms of Marshall, it was just seeing the, the reputation that he already had. I think the clubs like Liverpool, West Ham, I think your lads even were interested in him. Um, Villa, uh, he had a, he had a, a, a lineup of teams. It seemed like ready for his services. So whatever went wrong couldn't have gone wrong, wrong because he had 10 caps with Jamaica. And, and like I said, the, the highlight clips alone, we live in a YouTube generation. Uh, it, it leaves a lot for us to be excited about. So I'm, I'm stoked about this signing. It brings a little bit of pedigree. We had some, some pretty solid signings last year with, with some, with solid careers, not saying that they were, you know, world class or out of this world, but guys that have been around the block and guys that have played in some highly reputable tournaments and leagues. But this kid seems like the first true crossover signing, if you know what I mean. I think it's also a good a good sign that um, kids are looking to the league to like. I know it sounds terrible, but I mean, uh, eventually he's going to want to get picked up by a, a bigger team, yeah. probably in Europe. But it's a good way for him to showcase his talents, and it's yeah. a good sign for the league that kids want to use the league as a stepping stone like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. People see people look at the negative aspect of that, and I mean, it was kind of a shock, I think, for. A fan base like Halifax and even some of the fan bases coast to coast in the CPL not having the security or the, the knowledge of what's happening with the future um, when it comes to player contracts, who's going to be back, who's leaving. Uh, these, this signing, and I think a couple of the other signings as well, you're seeing the multi-year contract mentioned in the press releases. So I think that it shows that we are now into the football business. It's not just us trying to to grab a couple of bucks. And like you said, the stepping stone aspect, people look at the negative part, but that's a huge positive. Um, Rigi, for example, I mean, I know he probably has his eyes on bigger things, but he looks at our league and our city as that place for him to kind of rejuvenate his career. And that's going to have long-term effects because some of these guys might get comfortable in the situations they're in and want to actually make a career in Canada. So there's there's long-term benefits to short-term gains for sure, man. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it generates like money, and that's what you need to have in this business is yeah. money to to get the top players and stuff yeah. like that. So, like, letting these guys use as a stepping stone. A, you're going to get to see some amazing talent on their mm -hmm. way, which is mm -hmm. always great. Plus, it brings money in to be able to to sign players down the road. So, 100%. I mean, people. Like I get the negative impact of it. You don't want to see these players kind of leave the league, but at the same time, though, it's only it's only coming to its second season. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I, there was an article that was just written after Borges' transfer to Bel the Belgian club, uh, OHL, and the, the article, the title of the article was as blunt as could be. The league MVP was sold, and that's a good thing. And I think as the league grows, that education I think is going to be more understanding. We come from a hockey country where you get drafted or you get traded, or you become a free agent. The whole concept of, of owning a player, selling a player, almost having a player as property, to, to use a terrible term, but you know, there's, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it. It's going to grow, and I think it's already starting to become the norm. You're seeing what happened with uh, Didich, I think is how you say his last name, from Edmonton. He's gone to yes. Vancouver. It's a free transfer. Edmonton fans are up in arms. This is the best center back in the league. Why aren't we getting anything for him? Well, we only signed him to a one-year deal. So I think that that these moves are going to start to educate the fans that don't understand, like you and I, how soccer works, how football works. It's a business, and and to to grow, you have to sell your players. You have to you have to develop them, of course, but you have to find a, a profit avenue. And we're not the only profit avenue. If you only depend on 
the fans every year to make money or to build your team, you're not going to have a very good team. So definitely. And like in response, I like to what you're saying about the guy moving from Edmonton to Vancouver, like in his, like for him, if he, if he had got injured last year, like yeah. he could have been on the scrap heap. So you can't really like, like be up in arms about somebody moving off in a free transfer when, you know, the club were taking gambles and some worked, some didn't. We saw how many players leave the Wanderers over this over. Jeez, all but seven. So, yeah, so, so in my head, 18, 17 and, or 18. Yeah. And, and these guys are scrambling to like pick up contracts elsewhere. So, it, as I said, it's, you can't blame them for wanting to like move to a bigger organization and stuff like that because it's their career. Like at the end of the day, we, d- we don't own them. Like yeah. they're human beings that need to make money and have security for the futures. Exactly. And that's why I hated to use, just use the term property because yeah, I, I, it, it, these guys are human and you know, we, we signed Marshall to a multi-year contract. So that, that's obviously two plus years. If he wants to leave next year, you hope that the fans understand it, no different than if we, find another job that pays more or we have a raise within our company. It, it's, it's along the same lines and fans can't separate that sometimes because they see these guys are making money doing something that they love. That's not really extenuating in terms of nine to five or whatever else. But I mean, it really is you and I know um, that they, they think that we own them and it's just not how it works, but they also have to understand the business aspect of it. You know what I mean? Oh, big time. And it's like, even, I mean, the MLS has been around since the nineties and 96, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have players like Alfonso Davis, one of their best players in the league, moving to Bayern Munich. It's just the the, the nature of the beast is that unfortunately the bigger leagues are in Europe or in South America or China, wherever. Like, and it's where he is. Even look at Telfer. He just moved to to Cyprus. Which, Which sounds like a kind of a, a shitty move when you put it that way. But, but when you br- break it down, man, yeah. He's probably making like pretty decent wage where he is. He's probably making a little bit more than what he was making yep. in the CPL. He's like he's rotten away in Toronto's reserves, to be quite frank. Yep. I mean, he's got to think about himself, you know? Yep. And I'm sure every club, every fan from every club is probably, why didn't we pick him up? Why is he gone to Cyprus? But, you know, if you know football, even the, the Cypriot League is a pretty decent standard. Oh, it's, so. it's growing. It's growing. We, uh, we were talking about this earlier today because naturally people were like, Cyprus? 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 You go on the UEFA coefficient list and I think they're 15th right now. And, yeah, I mean, and, it, and they're one of the it, fastest growing domestic leagues in Europe. So it's, it's definitely not a Mickey Mouse league. And I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good step for him. And it's, he's in Europe and the next steps, you know, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. So, um, but swinging back to Alex, I mean, like it's, yeah. it's it's huge for the city of Halifax, and I think we should celebrate um, the, the the club reaching out for these guys and and having the balls, to be honest, to uh, to, to to go for these guys because I mean he's got ten casts for Jamaica, which is not to be sneezed at. Not at all. Not at he's all. Agreed to come. So I mean, like it's. I think just looking at the at the signings in the last couple of weeks, like. How excited are you about the quality of the signs are actually bringing in? And very, very, very excited. And and we've spoken before, and I'm sure your listeners have heard me on our our last little adventure there at Kelsey yeah. Corner. <laughs> I wasn't the, the the keenest fan of how things were being run originally. A lot of the other fans were. I give credit to to keeping me kind of on board, and uh, I'm I'm very glad. It's it's like they were listening to us. 
And yeah, yeah and I, I've been saying I've, I've been saying to people over the last couple of weeks, I really don't even care if we finish last again. Because, like I said, it, it seems like they're actually listening to us. It seems like they, they're taking the advice, the concerns, the criticisms of the fans and applying it in a weird way. Um, obviously, I don't think they're doing it directly because if we had the control we wish we had, this team would already be built. But we'd yeah. probably be broke. Um, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a trust, an earned trust. I, we've talked about it before. The, the operations part of the club has been a huge success. And I think that they're transferring that over to the transfer market and, and assigning like Marshall, signing like Rigi, able to get Louis to come play for us from Valor. Um, th- these are, are bigger steps, I think, than the general fan base understands. Um, and hopefully, if we do underperform next year based on expectations, the fans don't jump off like I was ready to. So, Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I think... As we were kind of talking about uh, at the the Celtic there, I think there's enough goodwill that probably yeah. get them through probably another year or so. But then I, I think eventually fans who are turning up in their droves will want to uh, make sure that seeing the success in the pitch as well as it off. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like we still have a few more to go. So who who knows who's next? So um, and that's, and that's a, you know what that's a good point too. Actually, not to cut you off, we were talking about the international spots still being available. And I think there's either two or three still left. I know Rampersad, Garcia, and now Marshall. Who am I missing? I think I might be missing. Oh, Peter. Sorry, Peter Shala. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that, I believe that's it for international. So that still leaves us three spots. And if we're going to focus on making those the premier signings for the club, I don't even know what the ceiling is at this point. And with Atletico, I don't know, this is a totally different topic, but with Atletico getting involved with Ottawa, um, are other clubs now looking at our platforms that we have in, in Halifax, in Victoria, in Edmonton, in Calgary, and saying maybe we can send a kid to Canada if Atletico trusts this Canadian Premier League. Maybe we should trust this Canadian Premier League. So there might be an even bigger signing than Marshall to come. I don't know anything, but it's possible, man. It's very well possible. Well, people could uh, just keep keep checking out your your Instagram account, and I'm sure they'll find out what we're doing. I try not to act like an insider, but I've been pretty lucky the last couple of weeks breaking some stories. Um, I, I, it's, been, I, it's been awesome, man. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I know that we broke Louie pretty early, and I ended up getting a message from some guy on Instagram that I didn't even know in relation to the Marshall signing. And then when I went on Reddit, did a little bit of inquiring, and somebody else had the, the gonads, if you will, to actually message him. And he loosely confirmed it was happening. So the, the, it's cool that there's still that bridge between the fans and the players that we can almost be like insiders in a weird way. So, yeah. Um, so just, just before we move on to the next, trouble, yeah, I know. The, tr- the next one's a, next one's a trouble topic. So um, the, I, I just wanted to uh, congratulate the Wanderers, um, uh, PR team again today with another amazing release video. <laughs> oh man, it was great. Aside from the noise issues, I guess some people had audio issues, but oh, the, I clicked. The, I clicked the link that one of you guys uh, shared earlier on, and it worked perfectly. And I was like, laughing my ass off. So yeah, yeah it's a long way. Long way continue. And even like the announcement thing last night was was pretty cool for yeah. the new team, which we'll touch in a second. So um, just sticking with Halifax, as there's a big. Big story in the city right now. It's not just a Wanderers um, 
a wondrous uh, issue. They've decided to redevelop the, the hospital downtown, and this new planned parkade for the redevelopment um, is going to encroach on the commons, I think. To be polite. Um, to be polite. Yeah. So, so, so how exactly is it going to impact the Wanderer Stadium? Well, from the look of the map that was provided, and, and I have to, like the club did, give credit that this has become a public matter and not something that's being discussed behind closed doors. Um, a lot of issues in Halifax seem to be discussed behind closed doors. And then by the time it becomes public, it's too late before anybody can do anything about it. It seems like we as a supporter group in the club have been given an opportunity to consult. Um, so on the positive end of this whole fiasco, there is that. Um, but how it will affect the match day situation, from what I understand, based on the map, is the, the main gate where the pop-up box office was located and where I'd say probably a good two to 3,000 of the fans walked in through each game. Um, that'll be cut out. From what I understand, all the concourse, I guess you'd call it, the vendors, food trucks, everything else, that whole area is going to end up being cut out. And it looks like, and I've been told that this is wrong, but I, I mean, the map that's been provided is the map that's been provided. It looks like it kind of impedes on Section 101, 102, um, some of the pitch side um, facilities and stuff that they have down there. So it looks like it's something that we could possibly manage to find a contingency. It's kind of disappointing because these are some of the amenities and issues that this city has been asking for, begging for, for a decade longer. And because this is a private property manner, you know that this is a situation where the property value went through the roof and somebody saw the opportunity to sell. So it's, it's disappointing because on the surface, it looks like it's disregarding what we have, but it's definitely going to be impactful on the match day experience. So I must say, uh, like it is down to uh, Councillor Way Mason who yeah. published the details for. Yeah. The, the public to know and, and as I said it's not just impacting the Wanderers it's the uh, the, the Bengals as well yeah and that's that's the, the sad Lancers, part sorry, about yeah. it yeah that's the saddest part about it because we as a club Derek and the, and the ownership and, and everybody involved found a way to kind of find a good middle ground with them um, break down to training and practices like the guys very rarely practiced on the Wanderers grounds that was one of the contingencies that they came to an agreement with um, just to keep the environment safe and healthy for the horses that they've been there since the 30s or longer so we found a, a, a nice common respect with them so hopefully it, it works the other way around too yeah and I mean it's just seems like such an underhanded way to to do this and I have to take a counsellor to go and do this off his own back and like, as a yeah. big, big thanks to him but do, do you think I know that the Wanderers have released a statement today saying that they're going to be in consultation and stuff like that but do you think there's any do you think a campaign might start itself between the fans and like the way it's not perfect the way the Wanderers Stadium is set up right now but to take away some of the land down there from mm -hmm. it I, I, I think for what for the way they want to build the club is going to really impact them as a business to be honest. Yeah. Well and the plans for expansion, I mean whether the Wanderers grounds was going to end up being a, perf a perfect and permanent facility or not, um, the expansion was there. And from what I understand, this is the 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 premier stunter of any of that potential. So a, a huge draw for that area was the Wanderers. And we talked to a couple of the people that worked at the museum 
And they said it was every match day. People would walk in with their jerseys on before a match, even after a match sometimes, depending on when it was done. They said that they had one of their, I think it was the, the highest revenue stream in the last decade, statistically. Wow. Yes. And, and, and I hope that somebody from the museum speaks up in the next couple of days, because when I was told that, I was shocked because I was like, yeah, this is a property, a private property manner. This isn't a public property man. This is a private property manner. You hope that we care as much about this as we do when we go out to cheer on the boys, because this is part of what supporting a club is all about. It's yep. having your voice heard when it isn't heard. It sounds kind of cruel in a way and anti-productive because we are a city that's dealing with severe healthcare infrastructure issues, shortages. Um, this is something that our city needs, but there's been so many plans over the years that just avoid this. So I think that if fans kind of get that education, and, and I mean, I'm going to be very vocal about it over the next couple of weeks, and hopefully other fans are too, that this is, like you said, a kind of backhanded under the table, really, really weird way of, of trying to impede on something that was a massive, massive success that fans will understand that we're not speaking against the health industry by speaking against this parkade because it's two different entities. And Definitely. I yeah, and I don't think the general public understands that it's two separate entities. And I think step number one is getting a lot of the supporters of the club to understand that if you speak out against this, you're not speaking out against healthcare in our province. And number two, you can actually still support the idea of having a parkade there because it's needed and it may benefit us as supporters too, um, in a weird way. If it's an open parkade, it, I doubt yeah. it's going to be, but it could be. If we show support for the idea, we may also find a way to get that middle ground a lot smoother than we thought. It sounds crazy, but we do have a voice. 6,000 fans a game. You know, that's a lot of bodies to, to stand outside of a building too and, and make our voices heard that you're, you're harming the future of, of something that this city, um, clearly showed and proved that it really wanted, needed and loved. And to put the guise of taking away from healthcare behind it is something I want to get ahead of for sure. So yeah. So, um, people have had it here first, the, the campaign to, Rearrange the parkade. <laughs> I'm sure. The, I'm sure the slogan will change because that's more or less, um, more or less. <laughs> but you know, I feel bad for the museum workers because over the years we've heard so many stories about how that place is hanging on by a thread, and how us, a sports slash entertainment product, kind of uh, ran off into their business, into their their industry, and it was beautiful to see. As far as I'm concerned, um, how different businesses and different different uh, backgrounds are benefiting off of each other. All, all the all the bars and restaurants in the city are. You hear about how they benefited from the Wanderers, but you don't hear about the things like the museum. So, I hope that we find a way to team up with them too, not to like fight against them, but just so they know that we're building something here. This isn't something that needs to be stunted. Exactly. So yeah. So um, let's uh, keep our eye on it and yeah. see what happens, man. Of course. So, uh, so so moving away from Halifax, the, the league got like obviously the other big news today is that the uh, the league announced a new team in Ottawa. Um, how excited are you by this? Super, super excited. First and foremost, because we get those those Fury fans back next year to <laughs> to continue that beautiful rivalry that we started. 
But on the other end of that, they're also a very knowledgeable and supportive fan group. Um, I know that the attendance numbers have gone down over the years, but I mean, you can speak about Ottawa sports in general, that being an issue. Um, this is a fresh start that I think a area like Ottawa deserves. It's our capital city. It's one of the biggest cities in the country. It is still a major sports market, even if they're not supporting their local teams. A lot of people in Ottawa still support, for example, in hockey, the Habs or the Leafs. Um, so the potential, believe it or not, is there. Uh, having Atletico Madrid a part of this whole um, ownership group, bringing this team back to Ottawa is going to benefit all of us, I think, because like I was saying earlier, other owners in other major European leagues are going to look at what Atletico are doing with their grassroots structure because they're a very, 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 I'm trying to think of the right word, organically built club. Um, they look for deals. They, they have a great youth program. Uh, they are now trying to build different facilities all over the world, different clubs all over the world. So what this is going to do is bring a huge, huge boost to the entire Canadian game. Uh, even if Ottawa becomes this force in a couple of years that can't be matched, that's going to make the league make adjustments. So I think that this is going to be an accelerator for the league um, in terms of the fact that this team almost has unlimited assets. Not that Forge doesn't. If they can kind of open up the rules a little bit more, um, it would it would bring that long-term goal closer. And I think it also, it's exciting because it shows that expansion was sooner than we thought. Because originally all the rumors were 2021, 2022, the latest. Now we're looking like we could be a 10-team league by next year. And if the, the Ottawa franchise is a success, that makes this even more exciting because it's going to really, really get the ball rolling in a lot of other markets. So I, I think it, like looking um, at the way clubs do this, like Ma Manchester City obviously own New York City FC. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne S uh, CDFC. So look at the Melbourne one, uh, one. I just was reading up a little bit. So before they went there, like Melbourne CDFC were playing in a college uh, grounds and didn't own anything, didn't have any assets. Man yeah. City went in and bought bought them a brand new thirty million dollar facility. So yeah. you're right. It's going to obviously enhance the the infrastructure for the league itself. Oh, huge! Um, the A League is is just growing. I mean, when you look at where it was 10, 15 years ago, I mean, I really only started about 10, 15 years ago, but it was a joke. And, and to see what's kind of happening here, I mean, what could potentially happen here, happen there, gives you hope in a way. Yeah, because it's, it's like, it's a really, it's a big market. It's, it's a huge continent and it's a, so it's a good system for Canada to follow. Yeah. Um, obviously, with us being so big, but I, I just, I think a thing a lot of people are going to be afraid of is that let's go in behind them. It's going to give them an unfair advantage in player recruitment. Do you think that's going to pan out? I think, yes and no. I mean, you just brought up New York City as an example. I don't think they've won an MLS Cup. Um, the infrastructure of the club is still growing. I mean, I think they still play at Yankee Stadium. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, so like, these are these are still projects in a way. I mean, they play, they had Lampard play for them. They had Pirlo play for them. They they brought in the the prestige, the players. They put the arses in the seats, but they're still coaching. The, there's still culture. There's still 
there's still things that you have to develop as a club that you can't just buy. I know like City did it with Man City literally, but I, I mean, we were talking about today, you could hear those Manchester United away fans all game. You know, you, you still don't have, you still don't have a genuine culture and you're the best team in England, arguably. I mean, Liverpool is, but so I, I, I'm not fearful as much as I, like I said before, I'm actually kind of excited if they come here, find a way to build and develop their team kind of under the table in a weird way. Like you said, that they could loan seven internationals from, from Atletico's youth program and they might end up being seven of the best players in the league. That's not slighting the Canadian Premier League, but that's the infrastructure and the coaching that Atletico offers. So if they, if they learn from not the mistakes of what City's done with New York City, because it's been a great success, but see the, the, where they need to grow organically and not where they need to spend, 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 spend. It, it'll be a big success and it's going to force the other owners and the other leagues to step up their game because the owners in this league aren't broke. And yeah. that's, that's a myth. I think that a lot of people want to crutch the league on because we have a salary cap and our players are, are barely making more than an engineer and all this other stuff. But the reality is, is we have seven, now eight, pretty wealthy supportive owners um aside from valor um but <laughs> it's it's going to be something that the other owners in the in the league might get upset hey we got to find a way to bend the rules so we get an advantage because these guys have an unfair advantage but it's not an unfair advantage it's football and and i'm excited and i'm in low-key weirdly hope that they're an instant success but at the same time i want them to do it the right way not just player after player after player after player. Um, I'm not worried. In fact, I hope it happens. I, I honestly think as well, though, I mean, like, there's a reason why they've decided to come to Canada. Exactly. I, really think, I really think it's off the back of the success of the, the men's team in the in the last couple of years. Like, there's been so many young players coming through the system that they're starting to realize that there's potential here in Canada for a lot of young players. So I think they might take players from their own youth system and bring them over here. But I think they're also going to look to develop players here to bring to Europe. That's which, just is, it, yeah. which I think is going to be a huge, huge um, thing for the city too. And I guess it all comes down to as well. Like, I mean, like although Atletico are behind it, you, you wonder the guy who did he own the, like, he owns the, the Red Blacks or something like that, like what he's actually putting into it too. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely... I think it's a huge cue for the league that that that's where I've been even mentioned with a league that's a year old. So that's just it. Like when you when you really break it down, this league is a year old, and already one of the some people will say five, ten best clubs in the world sees that potential, and it's it's not from a marketing standpoint because as great as the league was last year, it didn't blow. The, the tires off of the whip. You know what I mean? It was yep. the, some of the clubs still had attendance issues and, and are projected to still have some issues next year. But with the World Cup coming in 2026, you've got a whole generation of kids now that are inspired. I, like I was saying to somebody earlier, could you imagine being like an eight, nine-year-old kid in Ottawa right now? Oh, it's it, like just, just a kid who's just starting off playing the game and then suddenly 
the team that Joe Felix play, plays for is bought yeah. your local team. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I mean, these kids love Griezmann. Where did Griezmann start? Atletico yeah. Madrid. Where did Aguero start? Atletico Madrid. Like, you know what I mean? They, yeah. they have this reputation of building a club organically, of recruiting players at a young age, bringing them to their club, getting them um, ingrained in the culture. And then when they move to other clubs, they're a success because it's, it's a program that doesn't require you win, but it, over the years they've found success and Dortmund is the same way. There's no pressure to succeed. And eventually you've got a generation of five, six, seven kids that are all absolutely remarkable. They're all coming up through your youth system the same way. These, they might be looking at Canada and like you said, Jonathan David, uh, Alfonso Davies, maybe they got their eye on three or four kids already. And this is the way for them to push and accelerate what they already know too. I know that sounds far fetched, but they see something that I think even we don't see. And that's remarkable for the league already. Yeah, big time. So, um, obviously, I just saw um, a tweet there that they're going to call it Atletico. Yeah. I'm not mad at that because it's a branding um, thing, right? Like it's, I, I know, but it sounds like I'm glad they didn't bring the Fury name back because I feel like that's tarnished. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of the fans who were fans of the Fury said that they probably wouldn't go back if it was the same name again. But Which is why just, they wanted to consult, I think, is they, avoid, they wanted to avoid that whole thing I think it's just I think it's kind of lazy though the athletic yeah yeah because it's, it's got nothing to do with um, Ottawa or, or Canada it's just such, I just think it's such a lazy um, advertising tool but I guess it'll probably work yeah, because their jerseys are probably going to be the red and white stripes too, right? So, I would imagine they're probably going to go with that and then go with the black as their other one. Some of the fans don't seem happy about that, though. Even though they're going to hold the name brand, they don't want the kits to kind of mimic what they have. But you can't. I'd have to go. You can't. I'd have to go. I'd bought the fucking thing. They can afford. They can do what they want. Honestly, honestly right? Honestly. <laughs> it would have been nice though, because if by them making the name public already it means that they didn't consult with the fans and i know that fans don't have to have their name or their voice or their opinion on every subject matter but i think that it would have been a really good way for the new ownership group to connect with the old fans that even if they named the club atletico ottawa or whatever they're going to call it the fans still were able to put their two cents in because the, the crest is now what I'm really, really curious to see because you just brought up Melbourne with City um, and, and Manchester City or uh, New York City uh, Football Club. Like their their logos are very similar. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the light yeah. blue with the, the it's. I hope that they show a little bit of creativity in as they keep the colors. They at least make the logo pop differently. Like the Red Bull clubs, they're all the bloody same. Oh yeah, it's like I mean, especially like. If you look at um like Red Bull in the states and the one the the Salzburg one, it's yeah. actually the same jersey. The same. So, and, I mean, even yeah. in, even the game team that they have in Brazil, like the club colors are completely. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. But but the the kit's the same. It's like you got to be a little tiny bit creative because as a fan of a club, you don't want to feel like you're just a product or a project for some big owner, and you're just like this kind of side toy. You kind of want to feel like there's there's hands and minds um, involved in the development and the build of your club. And I think that's one of the things why a lot of the Red Bulls fans never really went over 
to the NYCFC thing because they felt it was a little too gimmicky. Yeah, but I can I can see that. Yeah. So so if uh, if tomorrow they turn around and say that we're going to be called Red Bull Halifax and going to throw a lot of money out, <laughs> you'll you'll be down there marching saying you don't want that Red and, Bull. <laughs> see, that's the thing. It's the it's the you you can you can hate on it when you're not involved, but when you end up being the beneficiary of it. <laughs> know what's going to happen right and that's what makes us football fans man we're fickle as hell so bingo i mean <laughs> i i talk about city's riches and chelsea's riches as a manchester united fan i would absolutely positively love some absolute positive filthy rich trillionaire with all the money in the world came and bought manchester united because you know that's that's the way the world of football unfortunately is going and we might be seeing a small little case of that in the Canadian Premier League, but I think it's only going to benefit the league. Honestly, I, I, do. I, I honestly think I honestly think so too. I think even if, as we said, they ship over six or seven young kids from Atletico's youth system. We're still going to get to see kids that are grown up playing football from a very young age, and they'll yep. be at a much higher standard probably. And I, I, I don't mean that as to disparage anybody, but it'll be a very good standard. They bring oh, which can only enhance the league. So um, we just kind of you just kind of touched on United there just before I let you go. <laughs> um, we did say we talked a tiny little bit about it. Yeah, this is smidgen. <laughs> so, so, the, so the only reason I wanted to talk a little bit about it, um, like just to finish off, was obviously this morning uh, there was news there of uh, uh, Woodward's house being attacked by people. So um, obviously we condemn that because it's yeah, ridiculous. 100%. So. Why is there so much, like, he's gone, they've gone out and spent a lot of money. Like, I mean, like, Pogba costs a lot of money. Uh, Lukaku costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, why is there so much anger towards him and the Glazers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I could begin, but I will, I will begin. It, it honestly started before Fergie left. You could tell that he had a little less control over the recruitment of players a little less control over the day-to-day operations, a little less control over um, the social media aspect of the club. Fergie was just the manager. He was just the head coach, but he wasn't just that. He was the lifeblood of the club. He was the culture of the club, and everybody kind of followed it. So as Fergie was retiring um, the first half dozen years of the Glazier's reign, or longer actually, I guess, um, dozen years. Yeah, geez, I'm thinking we're way, I'm way off on my time right now. The issue is that they're trying to reset the club culture by spending, 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 spending. When we asked from the beginning for them to build the club from the inside out, we've always been known for our youth system. We've always been known for developing players to reach their max potential. We don't know how much of that was Fergie or how much of that was the club. But the disdain came from the early days. Um, wicked. We got Falcao. Falcao played like crap. We didn't replace him naturally. I know this all sounds like poppycock because we got a team right now full of academy players. And, I mean, it's literally chock full of academy players. But they've seeped every dime from this club to the point that we can't compete loosely the same way the cities, the Madrids, the Chelsea. And it, and it sounds hypocritical because we have, like you said, we've spent 80 plus million on Pogba, 53 million on Lukaku. But it seems like these are signings that aren't 
made to build the team. Their signings made to shut us up. Okay. It's, to sell, sell jerseys pretty much. Jerseys to keep us hanging on to some hope. And, and Olay is, is a very, 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 very clean example of that because we all love them. Without Olay Gunner Solskjaer, the Manchester United we know today wouldn't exist. 99. I mean, yeah. the, the, the miracle worker. Don't take my Solskjaer away. And, you know, he came back from injury after injury and, and we had faith in him. We had faith in him. And, it was almost like as he retired, as, as Carrick was getting old, as, as the Chicharitos were leaving, the West Browns, Anderson, like these guys that kind of survived Fergie Nanny, you could kind of feel the balloon deflating. And it didn't feel like the club were making an effort to actually replace those guys that had character. They were just spending the money. Um, they get, so much hate because if they weren't owners that were looking to make money off of our club, we'd still be the best club in England and one of the best clubs in Europe. It's not accurate per se because the recruitment hasn't been fantastic, but what we had before was a security blanket. We had more money to spend than Liverpool. We had more money to spend than, than Arsenal. We even had more money to spend than some of those Spanish clubs. It's like the sport has moved on from Manchester United and it shouldn't have. And I think that's where that, that deep, deep negativity, that deep, deep anger comes from because Woodward puts his face on everything and he's the, the easy target. Not that I condone it. In fact, I 110% condemn it. Like you said, um, I'm not even a big fan of the chance Ed Woodward's going to die. Um, it, it is. And I mean, I, I get, I get the culture of football, you know, you, you get off of work, you kiss the wife and kids, you go to the game and for two hours, you get out all that stress, you know, you, 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 you scream at the ref, you call them names, you, you get mad at your players, but when the match is over, you're supposed to be able to unwind in a healthy way. Um, our supporters are so used to success that when like I said, the balloon was slowly deflating, but when Fergie left, the balloon kind of popped from first place to seventh place, I think it was, from Fergie yeah. to Moyes. When Van Hal came in, things looked great, and, and it, again, like the Falcao signing was shrewd. Got him on loan, paid him 200000 a week. If he worked, he worked. If he didn't, he didn't. But when he didn't work, it felt like a piece of the club's culture, a piece of the energy of the club kind of went with him. So every signing that you mentioned Pogba, you mentioned Lukaku, they don't feel like they don't feel like signings that are really going to breathe true life back into the club. The problem is is do those people exist? And as a supporter, I've kind of relegated myself to the fact that I might live the rest of my life like a lot of people have grown up watching Liverpool. This might take 20, 30 years because Replacing somebody like Sir Alex Ferguson, I think, is definitely the void, and I think a lot of our fans' frustration comes from that. I think, I think as well, uh, United fans are looking at what's happened to AC Milan, and they've been kind of riding away, like seventh, eighth, yeah. ninth in the um, in the, the, the Italian league. I, I think the difference as well, like we're talking about the the, the youngsters that they've been playing. I feel that's almost been like out of desperation for for numbers rather than because like when Ferguson was bringing through like 
the famous class of 92 yeah. like they were, they were brought in very slowly like yes. they would like you know play 40 minutes here 20 minutes here where if you look at now i mean like there's the, the kids that they have yeah like they're almost like dan james for instance like i mean like they brought him in but like there's so much pressure on that young man shoulders, yes. like because like he's been a bright spark this season and scott mctominay and mm-hmm. like guys like that it's like these guys were aren't at the stage in their career when they're supposed to be game winners they're supposed yeah. to be able to sit in and fulfill their potential and i, I think it's unfair on them with the way that they've been kind of thrust into the line like this and they're getting booed by their own fans yeah and i mean like i think as well the, the glazers and all that kind of stuff so if you look at like i mean like this week they're talking about newcastle being bought by saudi billionaires yeah. and the way that man city were bought the way that chelsea were bought the Glazers did it totally differently. The Glazers came in, immediately put the club into huge, huge debt. debt. Yeah. Which is, which is not the way that the other clubs are doing. So Man City, for instance, like, I mean, they can turn to this guy tomorrow and he can pump another $100 million into yeah. the club. The Glazers aren't going to do that because yeah. they've, used, they've literally used it as a way to take money out themselves. And I can see why there's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. But... You know, that's football, you know? Exactly. And to, uh, to show up at the man's house. Yeah, it's, to it's me, not real. It's not, and, and we started this conversation with Kobe and, and just, I mean, this is totally two different fields, but the same people I saw condoning the fans and there are a few United supporters who were condoning the fans were also weeping over the loss of this man and his child. And, and other people in this plane crash. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what if, what if, what if one of those fireworks or flares caught that house on fire and they were home? Would you be celebrating the death of this man? Yeah. That I makes don't, him look disgusting. Yeah, it's definitely like out of line. And like, you know, those guys, hopefully the, the police catch them and they're banned from ever going. That's what they said. Banned for life was the. Yep. Was the like it's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, we've we've hit over a few, quite a few topics here tonight, man. I really appreciate you taking time out on a uh, a cold Wednesday night to just uh, talk football. I'm sure um, we'll get to talk again. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time out, man. And um, thanks again. Like I always say, Anthony, keep up the good work, brother. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate you for giving us fans the platform, my man. Cheers, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. obsessively for much longer this season is all I have left to give my heart can take the pounding my mind can handle the grind but my body knows it's time to say goodbye 
it's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I'm joined by Steve Steele, our North American Super Pundit, um, this week. How's it going, Steve? Uh, I'm good. Apparently, I'm the same animal but a different beast. But continue. What's going on? Yeah, well, you see, I, I like to keep have different superlatives for you each week, you know, to make you feel appreciated on my show. So, um, I've been off for yeah. weeks, so it's good. What's up? Yeah, well, I thought I'd give you a break because you know, just to build up some rants, you know. So, um, <laughs> so, so, obviously, last weekend we lost a, a true basketball icon in uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, first of all, I just wanted to get your reaction to the tragic news, uh, Steve. If that's okay. Can I? Do you want me to tell you exactly how I found out and how, when I found out? Yeah, yeah. I, I found out. I, I don't know. I found out pretty quickly. So um, I was at the uh, sneaker store I work at on the weekends where we sell basketball shoes. Courtside sneakers? Yeah, courtside sneakers on Quimpool, 67 Quimpool Road. Yeah. So okay. I was talking about Kobe with about like seven or eight like Chinese kids because like in China, basketball is huge. And like they come here and they love basketball and they love Kobe. I mean, everyone loved Kobe in a way. So. I'm talking about like my favorite Kobe shoes. And I think I'm talking about the 06 Phoenix Sun series. Maybe it was the 07 series of Phoenix where Kobe, like Kobe and Steve Nash battle. And I'm like going back and forth and I'm mid sentence about Kobe and I have TMZ on my phone. So I'm talking about Kobe Bryant and my phone goes off on a notification. You know how it is with your phone. You check your notifications. I look down and it's Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. So I'm like, and then Kobe Bryant fucking died. <laughs> and everyone wow. looks at me like everyone's like excuse me and I'm like Kobe's fucking dead and they all all their eyes went wide and they're like what do you mean I'm like look I don't know if this is true yet TMZ just said Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash now full disclaimer I believed it immediately because I A one no TMZ is owned by a lawyer and would never ever falsely proclaim someone's dead and two for the last 20 years Kobe Bryant has been, it's been kind of a story that he takes helicopters to things to avoid LA traffic and whatnot. so mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling this was real, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, my legs buckled. Wow. I didn't really know how to react. I was like, I, I've never been talking about someone that was perfectly healthy and then found out they died within, like, a 30-second span. Like, I, I was mid-sentence talking Kobe Bryant when it happened. Uh, I should have got the owner of the store to pull the footage of the kids and their reaction because I, I, I just froze. Like, I, I stopped answering questions. I was like, I'm trying to find out if it's real. So I have two really good friends of mine who are diehard Laker fans. Um my friend Derek, who's done a friend of mine's podcast, and uh, the guy that runs the store with me, his name's Meech, uh, a.k.a. Demetrius. D- Demetrius' hero is Kobe Bryant. And I know this is fresh. I posted R.I.P. Kobe on Facebook before most people knew Kobe had died. I'm not trying to say I was first, but, like, I was really ahead of it. And I just was trying to, like, get a grip, and maybe someone would be like, oh, no, it's proven to be fake. So the further I cast with the net, the more I would hope that it wasn't real. And someone would tell me and correct me. So I uh, I text my friend and like I am in shock still because like I'm upset like I'm not crying but I'm upset and I text my friend Derek and I'm like man I don't know how to tell you this but I think Kobe Bryant just fucking died and he's like what he's like you're fucking with me right I'm like no I I don't really do death hoaxes for jokes <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus <And> yeah. <laughs> He's a grown man. He's 35 years old. He ran to a, he was at the gym. He ran to the bathroom and started crying. I had to let him go. He called me. So then I have to tell Meech. Meech is a, a guy from the Bahamas. Kobe Bryant's his whole entire hero, like everything. He's on the way to an event. He's doing things. So am I, I know he's doing things. I was talking to him earlier in the day and he's going to be busy today. So I text him while he's driving and I'm like, Meech, I, I don't know how to tell you this. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's true yet. 
but the word is Kobe Bryant just died in a fucking helicopter crash. He fucking pulls over and tells me to stop fucking around. This is not funny. Again, I don't find death hoaxes funny. And I'm like, no, Beach, like, it's on TMZ. He's like, it's only on TMZ, though. It's okay. He's going to be fine. This didn't happen. Like, straight denial. So from there, it, it became, like, a really sad thing, and everyone's kind of sad. And I went on YouTube, and I started watching, like, Dear Basketball, which is, like, Kobe Bryant's poem oh. going into his life. Have you ever watched the short film, though? For all those listeners out there, if you haven't seen Dear Basketball, the Kobe Bryant Oscar-winning short, please do, because if it doesn't move you to tears by itself, it's amazing. But now knowing what it, it with everything else, it was it's just a moment. I must have watched it, like, five, six times. And, like, honestly, I, ha- I don't know how I feel about it yet. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend – that I was Kobe Bryant's biggest fan and that I was a, a, a diehard lover of him when he played basketball. But the, I think the moment he retired, my appreciation and respect, uh, similar to the thing with I, I, t- I shared a few weeks ago with Tim Duncan, it, my appreciation and respect for the man with the roof after he retired and just watching him speak. And I just gobbled up any bit of Kobe Bryant I possibly could as it was available to me, any form of media. And I grew to appreciate his game more and like kind of fell in love with the man more than the player. Cause I, I hated the Lakers. So obviously I was going to hate Kobe Bryant. Obviously I respected him, but I always hated him because I just hated the Lakers. But like, it, you never want to see a forty-one-year-old man die, right? Like, it's like it's just. And then, then you find out his daughter's on the helicopter, and then you're hoping to hoping against hope that his whole family and the whole Bryant family didn't get wiped up by this fucking helicopter. It's bad enough we lost like you know basketball John Lennon, but like we can't lose his whole family too, right? Like, if when John Lennon got shot, would it? You know, how much more of a tragedy would it have been if, like, his kids and his wife were shot? You know what I mean? Like, if Yoko Uno, maybe people don't like Yoko Uno, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, yeah, I do, yeah. Like, people ask him, why are you so upset? It's just a basketball player. I'm like, is it okay to say that to someone like a rock and roll fan when, like, you know, a Beatle dies or when fucking Elvis died or whatever? No, you wouldn't dare say that. But because it's a sporting, it's this athlete or whatever, they feel like, oh, well, you know, it's only a sport. I'm like, motherfucker, it's only a guitar riff. You know what I mean? Like some of us appreciate different forms of art. So I, I got really pissed off with that. And I really didn't like people bringing up the sexual assault charge because it's just really people that don't know anything about the situation. Google Kobe Bryant. And all of a sudden there's a sexual assault thing. And then like, Oh, well, he's a fucking rapist. And he's a piece of shit. And he deserved to die. I've gotten a lot of that too. Like, I feel Jesus. like just give it a, f- I feel like just give it a few weeks before you start like dragging the man, like even princess die before the British tabloids started dragging or gave it a few weeks before they started doing it. I, I, I just, this Kobe thing has been a lot to handle. It's been, it's been kind of a weird roller coaster of emotion about it. Whereas obviously we lost someone really important. A, a bunch of children died in this accident. Families that were beyond Kobe were deeply affected. It's greatly affected the world of basketball and basketball fans everywhere. Cause we, we know we all love Kobe and it's just like, I don't know. It's like a beetle died. You know what I mean? It's like for NBA fans, it's like one of the Beatles dies. Like it's like Lennon or Harrison going. It definitely was one of those feelings. Uh, when I, I saw it appear on my phone on, on Sunday that you were kind of just like, it's one of those, fuck, you know, those shitty hoaxes that go around on, on Facebook yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's exa- and, I, I and you're hoping. Like, yeah, I was the exact same. Like, you know, like I'm, I don't know that much about basketball, but I am aware of Kobe because he's a, he's a huge football fan. So, like, he's, there's obviously, there's lots of pictures of him, uh, like, at the Tottenham uh, games, and he was a huge AC Milan fan and all this kind of stuff. So, there's a, a big connection between him and football. So, there's a lot of grief in, in the football world, too. But um, I, I was hoping beyond hope that um, it was it, it was, was a hoax. Yeah, and especially yeah. especially like you know like his his daughter there and then this other poor some family who like a mom a dad and a kid I think were were, were wiped out. It's it's it's, it's pretty horrible. Yeah. 
And it's um, like, obviously, you've been watching Kobe all your life. I said, like, when you play with the Lakers, you probably weren't, because you played for the Lakers, you probably weren't the biggest fan of him while he played. And it's one of those I, things that afterwards you're like, it's fucking guy rocked, right? So I was just thinking it'd be good for you to kind of let us know uh, your favorite Kobe moments. I mean, my favorite Kobe moments, um, some of them are on the court, some of them aren't. I, I made a reference to one in the intro, if you don't understand, when I said, like, I'm the same animal, but I'm a different beast. Uh, one of my favorite things about Kobe was a commercial he did with Kanye West a few years ago, where Kanye's up on the stage ranting, and Kobe asks him a question, like, yeah, you're the same animal. We're the same animal, but are you a different beast? And Kanye's like, Kobe, I don't know what that means. That's a really funny moment, but uh, I don't know, man. I I follow Kobe his entire career. I remember I, I'm old enough to remember when Kobe was a, a high school senior at Lower Marion coming out in the draft. I watched the NBA draft where Kobe got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, 13th overall. It was the '96 draft. Steve Nash got drafted two picks later, Canadian icon, obviously. Like I. I I follow Kobe from the beginning to the end. I remember when Kobe Bryant was coming off the bench for the Lakers and one of my favorite players in the league at the time, Eddie Jones, was the starter in L.A. I remember when Kobe won the 97 dunk contest and he put the ball through his legs and he had like – he was just so cool and he had his first shoe with Adidas or Adidas, as you guys like to say. And <laughs> it was like the, the feet you wear and all that stuff. But Kobe going to Brandy's prom with her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Brandy, like the pop star back in the day. Like, Kobe's been in the pop culture lexicon for so long that I could spend this for hours. But my favorite on-court Kobe memories, some of them, like, well, one of my favorite Kobe moments when I was younger was uh, in the 19, I want to say 98 or 97. I, it was either 97 or 98. One of the two years the Jazz went to the Utah, uh, the Utah Jazz went to the NBA Finals and faced the Bulls. Kobe had a chance to tie the game, and he airballed three consecutive threes in a row against Utah. And it felt like it really, like, you could see that, like, it was, a, it was a hard, hard thing for him to take, but it, like, kind of rewired who he was and sent him back to the drawing board. I, the story is, after the game, he went to a gym and put up, like, 8,000 three-pointers. Because the, the whole the Kobe's famous for his, like, Mamba mentality and his win-at-all-costs and invest, do the work, do your time, and try as hard as you can, and eventually you'll be great. Kobe was a big fighter of that logic, and I think that's what, like, the first story that I remember hearing, like, he missed the he missed the two threes and he went to the gym and he just worked and worked. He wasn't like oh, I'm gonna he's not like oh well, it's the off season now I'm gonna go get on a cruise I'm gonna you know, go and hang out with some groupies in Waikiki or something like. Kobe was in the gym every day perfecting his game the moment he hit failure for the first time in his life. Um, my other favorite Kobe thing is that he was apparently undefeated in one on one. Nobody ever beat Kobe Bryant one on one dating back to high school where he would show up at Philadelphia 76ers practices as a high school junior and senior and challenge players on the Sixers to games of one-on-one and still beat them. Wow. Uh, this continued This continued all the way through his career where taking challenging Kobe to one-on-one was like a death sentence, and I fucking love that about Kobe Bryant because I just love – I love psychopathic competitors, like sociopaths, just focus on winning. I Like Michael Jordan's my favorite athlete of all time, who Kobe obviously takes a lot of DNA from. But I just, I just love that story. I love the competitor that is Kobe Bryant and like winning at all costs, and he will take your soul from you in like any kind of contest. I, I feel like Kobe was just great for that. But in game moments, um, I'll tell you one that won't make my list because I did watch the game, but it'll probably be on a lot of people you talk to their basketball fans. Is Kobe's eighty-one point game because unfortunately his eighty-one point game happened against the Raptors when the Raptors were particularly awful, and that one hurt my soul. I, I didn't enjoy watching someone <laughs> score against the Raptors. But it was a cool moment. I can say I watched it. Um, Kobe's years with Shaq were fun, but I think Kobe's years right after Shaq left, where he was forced to carry a ton of load and just shoot so much and score so much and carry those carrying 
particularly putrid Laker teams, the playoff, really, like the playoffs, they weren't winning anything, but even at least get them there. I think that was a lot of fun. I remember watching Kobe score 69 and three quarters against the Mavericks one time. I think that was a few wow. weeks before the 81. Yeah, Kobe was a Kobe was a different animal, man. Uh, another great Kobe moment is um, it's a famous clip of him. Matt Burns is inbounding a ball. Now it looks like he's he's faking the ball out in his face. He's really not. There's, usually, there's actually about three or four inches in between it. He's not throwing it in his face, but the camera angle makes it look like he's. But Kobe's like the psychopath that he is, isn't flinching when the ball's coming right at his face over and over again. That's a great moment. Uh, God. Whenever you get to hear, whatever, another great Kobe moment is whenever you get to hear him talk about his daughters. He, he, he's a father of four daughters and like how proud he was to be. Because usually men, like, I want a son to carry on my legacy and stuff. But like the fact that Kobe was like kind of cool about it in the sense that like he was very proud to be a girl dad and like have four girls, I thought was really cool. There's a lot of things I love about Kobe Bryant. Um, uh, Kobe's, the way Kobe took Michael Jordan's game and evolved it. Uh, Kobe's dedication to winning and like playing defense and scoring things I really enjoy about basketball players. The way he reinvented himself and went from number eight to number twenty four and like it like symbolized like a change in his game. Just there's so many things. He he was a really articulate, artistic, introverted guy. He wasn't like a loud, bombastic person. He was just kind of like this very observational, very smart. Like I'm not saying there aren't other intelligent athletes, but Kobe had a level to him that like I don't think most did. Like Kobe learned five languages. Kobe would learn other people's. He grew up in Italy, so he would learn teammates. Like if he learned French to uh, talk trash to Tony Parker, he learned like Serb. I think he learned a Serbian language to uh, communicate with teammate Sasha Vucevic. He learned Spanish to talk to teammate Pau Gasol. He learned just recently he hit the news for learning uh, the language that Luka Doncic speaks, so he could trash talk to him on the sideline. <laughs> like Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic came to inbound the ball at Staples Center and Kobe's sitting right there and he hears someone speaking Slovenian to him and he turns around and it's Kobe fucking Bean Bryant. Like, that's, that's a really... It's a, you know, it, it just, it, these are just really little things about Kobe that if you know anything about Kobe, you know, but, like, they're just really cool stories of, like, you know, what kind of guy he was and how he was just so much more than basketball. And I think that's what the most important thing is, is that after Kobe retired from basketball, not only did he love basketball, but he was able to move past it and start doing other things. He started a film company, which produced that Dear Basketball short, which makes me cry. He um, he was in, he was doing things that other people great at things notice that maybe not like were mainstream. And I think that's really cool. And the fact that like three days before he died, he said something very controversial where he said there was a lot of, because he's a dad of four daughters and he saw his daughter going to the WNBA. Kobe stood up and said like, you know, there's women in the WNBA. They could probably play in the NBA right now. There's so much talent there. Like, like a woman like Diana Taurasi and like for like, he jumped off a cliff a little bit. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But the fact that Kobe Bryant was brave enough to stand up for the WNBA and take that stand for women's basketball, again, speaks to, like, who he was and what he thought of the game of basketball. So if you want to drag him for his sexual assault allegations, by all means, but don't say Kobe Bryant didn't try to be an ally to women in the second half of his life. And I, I, like, there's like, there's just so much that I could talk about. Like, I could, ta- I could sit here and talk about, like, games and like moments from games and things of that nature like you know when Kobe hit a turnaround three with in like with three or three sets of hands in his face to tie the game against Portland in 2012 or something or like when he tore his Achilles in 2013 and he knew it and he walked back out on the floor with the torn Achilles and hit both free throws knew owing his season was over and like it was gonna be a long road to recovery because when you tear your Achilles at was it seven years ago he's 41 so when you tear your Achilles at 34, it's probably not going to be the best thing for your body, but he wills it out like a champion and he walks. He literally, you can watch the clip, he walks from the bench 
to the opposing side of the court foul line and shoots two free throws on a torn Achilles tendon and like hits wow. him both. He's just he's just he's just he was a different beast, you know what I mean? And like whether or not he was great at basketball, it, 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 he was, but there was something better than him than just basketball. Michael but, Jordan. But, so, sorry, go ahead. So um there's just the thing you touched on there that like I'm not aware of. So why did he change numbers? I thought that was like a big thing for basketball players to <sighs> keep the same number. I mean, it would be, and uh, he's never he never really gave a definitive answer that I know of. But my guess is he switched from eight to twenty four. He went to twenty four to give the the nudge nudge that like you know twenty four is one better than twenty three. And we all know who's a fan of basketball that wore number 23. Now, again, he probably just like he 24, I think in 07, I think it was, or 08. I don't remember the exact year he did it. I apologize. Um, you can look that up. But he was number eight for so long. And then, like, he had the he had the sexual assault allegation. He, he got branded a terrible teammate and all these things. I think he just went under. I think the number changed to 24 coincides with his whole Black Mamba branding. And and I think that's where it does. Like he became like the lone wolf that strikes without provocation. That was the concept of him. Like again, I told you stories about him being a maniac. So the fact that he adapted a personality called the Black Mamba and Mamba mentality, it tells you a whole lot about Kobe Bryant, the competitor, right? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that there were 24. Like, uh, yeah. But you mentioned Kobe Bryant was big in the football and the show of Tottenham games. I think Kobe Bryant was a big fan of athletes in general. I think at a comp- competitive athletes that performed at an elite level, I think Kobe just had a real appreciation for those people because he knew what it took mentally and physically to compete at that level. And I think that's where he became a fo- – plus he, he grew up in Italy, so he probably loved football too, right? Like, let's be honest. Yeah, he's a, he's um, a big, uh, he's a big AC, he was a big AC Milan fan, so they had a big tribute for him uh, during the night. But it's not, it wasn't just – in Italy, like I mean, like every top footballer you can think of came out and just showed the, the amount of respect for the man. Like I mean, um, at the uh, Real Madrid training on Monday, somebody wore his number ten jersey from the USA game, and um, even oh, in, in, nice. it, yeah, it, it's just it, it's it's not very often you see such an outpouring for somebody. So I got to show you touched an awful lot of people's lives, and it's not just. Basketball fans, as you said, I think it's got, it's it's gone over like so many different sports and many different mm. industries, and it's uh, it's a huge loss, I think, for everybody because you know you, you see I saw videos of how he's he was going to every game with his daughter, and apparently she's was was a pretty decent basketball player in her own right. So I mean, you know, you want you really want to you want to fill the tear ducts? You can watch clips. Her name is Gianna. You can watch clips of Gianna duplicating her dad's like go to drop step and turn around jumper moves and stuff like that, and putting her jersey in her mouth just like he used to do, and like his little subtle nuances to his game are slowly slowly starting to show up in this thirteen year old daughter's game and. I don't know, man. Like beyond basketball, just as a human being for a moment, it's tragic enough that we lost like a beloved figure in the basketball community. And there's never going to be any kind of replacement or substitute for Kobe Bryant. But like the end of the day, like, you know, there's a woman out there who lost her daughter and lost her husband. And there's other people out there too. Like the story strikes so much deeper. Like I read, fuck, there's so much stuff that came out of it. Uh, one person said, like, can you imagine, like, being in that he- – this is dark and I'm sorry, but being in that helicopter and he's protecting her and giving her everything he could in this world and this helicopter's going down and he can't do anything but comfort her and tell her it's going to be okay when they're – you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, it, yep. it just keeps permeating all the coverage of, like, these things. And it's- I had a friend talk to me who doesn't didn't know anything about basketball whatsoever, who was, like, completely – 
upset about what happened because the story is just so sad and it's just I don't know, man. I, I, I'm getting kind of like emotional talking about it. It, it. It's it's one of the worst things I've seen happen in years as far as like celebrity death goes. Like we've lost a lot of celebrities to like illnesses and whatever the case may be in the last few years. But like Kobe Bryant dying at 41 in a helicopter crash with his daughter on board, taking her to a basketball camp and uh, on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning is just it's it's a lot. No, I was gonna say, as a diehard basketball fan, a lifelong basketball fan, and someone that literally grew up watching Kobe Bryant from the age of twelve to he retired when I was thirty-two, I want to say. So from 12, 20 years of my life, I saw Kobe Bryant play basketball, and while I will never admit that I was a Kobe fan while he was playing, he 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 was a big chunk of my life and watching television and watching sports, and I won't say he was necessarily an influence on me. But it, it broke my heart to know that like Kobe Bryant died at 41 years old when I feel like Kobe Bryant had only just started giving what he had to offer to the world. I just think that uh, as well, like we live in a, a news 24 society. So like there's rolling news and they need to fill the airwaves with as much stuff as they can. And I think that's where a lot of that kind of shittier kind of aspect of stuff of like people thinking about, coming out to crash and there's like there wasn't like things there today when you were talking about like the there was, a, there was a lot of fog in LA that day and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff yeah I mean like it, it, it to yeah. me to me like you know obviously like there's with any accident like it's something that could have been done to prevent it unfortunately it happened and I think like dragging shit up like like that all over the news and all that kind of stuff is just kind of shitty they should just let people like grieve and you know, just let fans do what they do, and you know, like uh, like like this. I I think it's better for us to talk about the good things and like what he actually brought to the world, and not just the basketball. And it's, it's it's a better way to do it than to be dragging the man through the mud or like the the pilot could have done this, that, and the other. You know, I just think that like we should just What's celebrate. Done done. Yeah, and we should just celebrate like what a an amazing person he was and an amazing competitor. Like I. As I said, like I'm not the biggest basketball fan in the world, but like everybody knew Kobe, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone says Kobe's name when they took a shot at the garbage can. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's. I do want to touch on like the coverage real quick. There's a few things that really per- irked me about it. One, TMZ breaking the story before his family knew it was absolutely brutal. Fuck those guys. They are two. Like, they're cockroaches. Those people. Like I yeah, they, hate they, them. They, when I heard that, I uninstalled the app. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to find out someone died that way ever again. I sure as hell don't want to know before Vanessa Bryant knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that's his wife's name. Like, there's that one. There's the woman from the Washington Post within 45 minutes of his death being announced saying, uh, looks good on him. He was a rapist. That tweet. Fuck oh, that bitch, whoever she is. Jesus. Um, I, I, I hope she gets a special place in hell. Um, I don't know. The woman that said uh, the N word by accident while talking about it on MSNBC gets a pass. I think she was trying to say Nixon Lakers and just said, yeah, she, she said what she said. But like, I don't think that was like a, I'm a, this is, I'm a, this is my moment to say the N word on national television and get away with it. I don't really feel like that was the aim. I think she just had like a really, really poor grammatical slip. So I'll give her a pass. Um, people constantly post trying to find and verify footage of the helicopter going down can all go fuck themselves. If you have a morbid curiosity to watch how nine people just died in a tragedy, just like you need to just look for some kind of closure. Like he's not already dead. 
Uh, I, I keep seeing that pop up in my timeline that I don't like. I, I don't want to see Kobe Bryant die. I apologize if that makes me less some something, but it's not something I'm in the business of seeing. Like I, I, I'm, I don't want my last memory of Kobe Bryant being a fucking helicopter going into the side of a mountain in Calabasas. Um, so yeah, like just he he was special. He meant more. I think he inspired more basketball players than anyone else, including Michael Jordan. To be honest with you, because like Michael Jordan took the game to a next level, but Kobe was like when basketball was the peak of his powers, and like on a global stage, Kobe Bryant was the guy for a very long time, and I mean a very long time, probably two thousand one to two thousand and fourteen. Like LeBron had already become a global superstar in 2014, but Kobe was Kobe. You know what I mean? And his last All-Star game was played in Toronto. Uh, his last game, he scored 60 points against the Utah Jazz. Had the pleasure, displeasure of watching that thing. But, you know, like, uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Gianna Bryant. And, like, everyone else was affected. It's a it's a really dark week for me as far as sports go. I, I'm not even looking forward to the Super Bowl after this. Yeah. Um, so... I don't want to upset you any longer. So, um, thanks, <laughs> thanks. Th- 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 thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it, man. Um, it's uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, buddy. Um, hopefully, next week we'll we'll talk. Maybe have just a wee chat about the Super Bowl and maybe something a little bit more lighthearted. But um, yeah, in, in, in the meantime, as you said, like uh, rest in peace to everybody involved. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out, bud. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right, cheers. So- You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Thank you to my guests for joining me this week. It's really appreciated. With so much going on, I didn't get a chance to even talk about the Six Nations rugby, which starts this weekend. Hopefully we can talk about it next week. Also, check out our friends at the Armchair Commentary and the American Gaffers podcast for some really top-notch content. I want to thank everyone who listens to the podcast too. It's a real labor of love for me and I really enjoy sharing it with everyone. So I do appreciate the support. Don't forget to subscribe at downthepub.ca and until next week, cheers.